Contentment. One of the most difficult things that many struggle with. How to be content. You know, we think, if I just had fill in the blank, I'd be content. You know, a a better job, a larger bank account, a nicer house, a more powerful position. Or if she just would say yes, I would be content. The girl of my dreams. Or if he would notice me, I would be content. We have all of these things in our lives that we say, if if I just had this, or if I was in this position, I would be content. But we struggle with contentment. And oftentimes we spend our lives just striving for a little bit more. A reporter years ago asked a very wealthy man, how much is enough? And I loved his answer. He said, just a little bit more. And that's where we oftentimes find ourselves. We can't be content because we need just a little bit more. No matter where we are on the spectrum, no matter our life story, if we just had a little bit more, we would be content. We would be happy. And in Philippians 4, Paul talks about that term, contentment. And he said something very interesting. He said no matter his circumstance, he could be content. Can we make that statement? How was Paul able to make that statement? How can we be content despite our circumstances? That's the question we're going to be asking this morning. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing upon His Word. Father, as we come before You this morning, may we be open to the principles and power of Your Word. Lord, may nothing that is said be a distraction from the principles that You have us this morning. Lord, keep our mind focused upon Your Word. Lord, may You be glorified and may we be challenged Lord, not just with knowledge, but a challenge to be changed, to be more like Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 19, Paul gives what we consider, what we could consider the secret to contentment. Follow along as I read, beginning in verse 10, Philippians chapter 4 says but i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at last you care for me your care for me has flourished again though you surely did care but you lacked opportunity not that i speak in regard to need for i have learned in whatever state i am to be content i know how to be abased and i know how to abound everywhere and in all things i have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need i can do all things through christ who strengthens me Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the Gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. 
For even in Thessalonica, you sent and once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Contentment. The first thing we need to understand is what is the definition of contentment? And it may be a little strange as you hear this definition. Contentment means contained. And you think, okay, what is that all about? What does it mean to be content, contained? It was the idea of not needing anything else. Not needing any outside object to be happy or joyful. As you'll know, we talked about the difference between joy and happiness as we've gone through the book of Philippians. The idea of being self-sufficient or as Paul recognized, God-sufficient. I can be content in my circumstances because of who I am in Christ. Not because of what job I have or what relationship I have or what financial benefits I have or what toys I possess. I can be content because of Jesus Christ. I don't have to rely upon outside substitutes to be content. But we will all fail, and it's a guarantee that we will fail in contentment when we look for things to provide that contentment. If I rely on things, they will never bring enough satisfaction for me to be content. If I trust in my own abilities, I will never be content. Only when I trust in God will I be content. And so Paul goes through and he shares some of these things that help him to be able to make that statement that in whatever state he is, to be content. So what are those things he wants us to recognize? We must first recognize God's providence. God is in control. And we see that in verse 10. Verse 10 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Paul was thanking, and we'll see later on in verses 15 and 16, that he was thanking them for, them, for their support of his ministry. He was appreciative that they had stepped up and given to meet some of the needs that Paul had in the ministry that he was doing. But it had been a while since they had supported him. You see there in verse 10, that now at last, your care for me has flourished again. And if you go down to verses 15 and 16, you'll see that after he left Philippi and continued on in this missionary journey, the one that he was on when he went to Philippi, that they were supporting him. And evidently, it was 
more than once. And it could have even been to, he just said again and again, it could have been to the extent that, you know, he went in there every month sort of expecting the check in the mail because this was becoming a regular thing. We might uh, have that struggle with our big brother helping us out with uh, checks in the mail, right? But it stopped. And there was a long break in their support of his ministry. But while Paul appreciated the gifts that they sent, the support that they gave, his trust was in Christ. And he understood that God was the one who was in control. Providence. Providence means to see before. Paul recognized that God could see before and be in control in order to provide. It was not always how Paul expected. It wasn't always what Paul expected, but God was faithful and Paul could be content because his faith was in God. His trust was in God. You remember last week, we, as we looked at verses 6-9, we saw the, the importance of not worrying. Be anxious or worry about nothing. Why could Paul worry about nothing even though he was writing from a prison cell not knowing how long he was going to be allowed to live? Why could he do that? Because his faith wasn't in the Roman government. His faith wasn't in people around him. He appreciated his friends and and workmates, but his faith was in God. And he trusted God for all he needed. And he didn't need to worry because God was in control. So you may be saying, this sort of sounds like second verse. It is. Second verse, same song. We don't need to worry because God's in control. We can be content. Because God is in control. He sees before. He knows what we need. And He loves us. But also, we can rely on God's power. Verses 11-13. through 13 says, beginning in verse 11, "...not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content." I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His contentment was not based on his circumstances. Paul there in verses 11 and 12 could say that he was just as content when he had little as he was when he had a lot. He was content or contained. Why? Because he knew that God was sufficient. He was not relying on those outside substitutes. He wasn't relying upon his situation in life. He wasn't relying upon the funds in his bank account. He was relying upon God and God alone. He was God 
sufficient. And that contentment can only occur through Christ's strength. Verse 13 is one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. In fact, you may have a plaque on your wall or, or a doormat leading into your house. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we use that as we face any trial. Well, we should use that, I should say, as we face any trial. We don't always do it, but we should. We use it when we step out into any big adventure. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But isn't it interesting that the context of that verse is the context of contentment. I can be content only because Christ strengthens me. I guarantee you, if it was John who was responsible for the power of contentment, John would not be content. And unfortunately, many times in my life, I rely upon my power for contentment and I'm not content. Only in Christ and through His strength can I be content. It's Christ's strength. He is the one who gives us the ability to be content. He is our strength. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31, reminding us of the power of God. It says this He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall or fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I have to rely upon Christ's strength. I have to know that God is the one who can see me through. And we could stop there. But these next verses tie back into contentment also. Verses 14-19. through Paul recognized the importance of focusing on others. Look what he says beginning in verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the Gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus." What's he saying? Paul was appreciative of the gift. He recognized that the gift was given by them, but it was really from God through them. And to take just a little rabbit trail here, isn't it exciting to know that God can use us in supporting and helping others? In two weeks, we have the Hendersons coming. And Marla Henderson's missionaries that we were supporting them when I came here 30 years ago. 
and a neat ministry in the Philippines. But we had a little part in that. But if they trusted Hannaford Street Bible Church for their provision, they may struggle. They needed to trust God. And God used us. And Paul was saying, listen, God, I understand, I understand God has used you to the Philippian church. God has used you to help in my ministry. And he was thankful for that. He was grateful for that. But in these verses, verses 14 through 19, he turns it back and he's excited about what was given to him, but he was more excited about what that meant for them. We have to focus on them. When we focus on ourselves, we will never be content. When it is all about me, I will never have enough. I will always be looking for the next thing, and if I'm able to get that thing, then there will always be something else. When I was in Minnesota and going to seminary, I I had the opportunity to coach a, a basketball team. And I remember the year we won the state championship. As a player, throughout sports, we had some pretty good teams, but we never won the state championship. And it was so exciting because, whoa! And I was wondering, what would it feel like to be the champion. Well, you know what? It was really fun for about 15 minutes. And then, you sort of look back and oh, I'm glad we won, but it doesn't really fulfill me the way that I maybe thought it would. And, and it was a, a Christian school league. And since we won the state tournament, we got to go to a national tournament in Tennessee. We went to that tournament and our eyes were opened. I remember our first game in this tournament, we played against this team from Georgia that was like 30-3. and three. They'd been playing all over the country. They were a whole different level of basketball than we were. At the end of the first quarter, we were down like 30 to 4. And all of a sudden, that satisfaction wasn't there. If we trust in outside things, we will never be satisfied. If we think about our own success, it doesn't need to just be things, it can be titles or influence, or recognition. But it will not satisfy us. And so here is Paul. And things are really hard for Paul, but, but what is he excited about? He's excited about what this gift meant for the Philippians. Because here they were a church, and as we had looked before, as we've been going through this book over the last few months, we've seen their, their poverty. 
and the persecution that they faced. But yet, in all of that, they were giving sacrificially to help the work of God and His kingdom. And Paul was like, oh, this is so exciting to to see your heart, but also to see that God can take what you give and God can use it to bless you as the giver. He was excited about the benefits of the Philippians. Remember the statement that your parents gave to you when you were a child? When it came time for Christmas? And you obsessed about the number of gifts that were coming to you at Christmas? Especially if you had siblings and your sibling had more and you wanted to let the whole world know how unfair that was? What was their famous saying? And it's biblical. It is better to give than to receive. And did you know that that does come from the Bible? Acts 20.35 says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Now if you were like me as a young person, that's one of the hardest statements in the Bible to really believe is true. Because it was a lot of fun to receive. And I don't know how much fun it was to give. But it is more fun to give. To recognize that God is using you. And Paul was saying to them, listen, God is working in your heart and life and it's exciting to see that. Proverbs 22 and verse 9 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now by the way, there are many verses that speak of this. They are not saying if I give $20, I'm going to get a $100 check in the mail. Blessing is often so much different than we think of blessing. But God is faithful in saying it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Why was he so excited? He was so excited because these people in Philippi were impacting their world as they took part in in Paul's ministry. They were standing with him in the work that God had called for him to do and, and lives were being changed in part because of their sacrifice. He was also excited for them because they were growing in their faith as they trusted God. Here they were. This money, this gift that they gave, it doesn't even give an amount. But we know that it was a sacrificial gift because many of them were living in very desperate poverty. And Paul could see their maturity as they trusted God to provide for them. 
but he also recognized and was excited because their generosity was a cure for selfishness. You see, selfishness and contentment don't work together. But generosity is the cure for selfishness. I will not be selfish about what I am willing to give up. And it's the attitude, not just the action. Am I willing to hold on to things loosely? And for those things that I don't have, am I driven by those desires to get them? Or would I just appreciate it if I had it, but I can be content without it? Contentment. And he saw their generosity and recognized that their generosity came from hearts that desired to serve God. Their generosity came from hearts that were not trusting on outside things to bring satisfaction in their lives. But it is a battle for every single one of us. But Paul could say in verse 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's interesting in verses 18 and 19, the, the comparison. He talks about the gift that they had as a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God. But the comparison, they gave out of their poverty. God was blessing them out of His riches. But the battle is there. Every single one of us fight this battle of contentment. And what happens when we lose the battle? When we lose the battle, our focus turns from God to me and things. And if I am not content, that is going to take over the focus of my life. What can I do to be content? What can I get? How can I get it? Paul says it's not about things. I can be contained. I can be content. No matter what I have or don't have. Dave Ramsey talks about contentment. And as he talks about contentment, he gives some signs of discontentment. And going through these, it's not an exhaustive list. But it's a good test to see if you're living a life of contentment or discontentment. Here are, here are I think, three signs that he, that he gives of being discontent. Number one is attempting to get rich quick. You see, when we desire to get rich quick or some scheme, we believe that, that the end game of that, the benefits of, of getting rich quick, will bring contentment. If I'm always trying to, to find a new way to get things or to make money, I'm probably struggling with contentment. Or another one, I'm trying to appear wealthy. 
When we strive to appear wealthy, we think that our appearance and the perception of others will bring contentment. Wow, he's doing well. But you see, when we are placing our success on impressing others rather than trusting God, we will not truly please Him. And the third is anxiety about what you don't have. It goes back to the foundational belief that things will bring me contentment. They won't. But when we get anxious about what we don't have, what happens? We allow jealousy and envy to control us. And jealousy and envy, and oftentimes we look at the two of them as, as really synonyms, but they really have different emphasis. Jealousy is simply wanting what others have. I see him driving away in that car or truck, and like, oh, well, jealousy flares up. That'd be nice. But envy even takes it a step further. You see, jealousy is dealing about what I don't have. Envy, I sort of hope he gets in a wreck, totals the truck. Don't want him to get hurt. We'd be very happy if it was taken away from them because they have it and we don't. But do I worry about what I don't have? Is my life consumed about ways to make more, to get more? That's the case. I will never be content. Paul says in whatever state, whatever circumstance, he can be content. Now, let me just give you a couple very simple applications. If you're struggling with this, and you go home to your modest house, and you look around and you say, oh, if I... But you know you shouldn't. Don't spend your time on Zillow. If you're struggling with don't, what you don't have, if you sit there and you're, you're drawn, oh, if I just had this new dress or this new golf outfit or whatever, don't keep walking by the store looking in the window saying, oh, wouldn't I look great in that? Now, we usually overthink how good we look or would look in it anyway. That was a little bit of a joke there, folks. But, but don't just spend our time thinking about what we want and don't have. Spend our time recognizing all we have in Christ. He is sufficient. Contentment. To be contained. Not needing any outside object bring satisfaction in my life. 
And Paul could say as he was writing, chained to a Roman guard, not having the freedom to go out and about whenever and wherever he wanted, knowing that the Roman government was making a determination on whether he was going to live or die, he could say, I am content. As we leave this morning and go out to our nice car, drive home to our nice house, have freedom in what we eat, looking on our iPhone, don't spend our time complaining about, oh, I wish I had the iPhone 12. Wouldn't that extra bedroom and bathroom be nice? I could move up a couple years in age of my vehicle so I can spend more taxes and license plates cost more and insurance is higher. Be content. And we can when and only when we say God is enough. And my circumstances don't control my joy as we saw before. My circumstances do not control my contentment. Because I can be content in all things at all times in every situation. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness. Lord, as we recognize how much we have in You, Lord, I know it is such a struggle for every one of us we deal with contentment and desires. Lord, help us to recognize that the desires aren't necessarily sin, but when we allow those desires to control us and to control our contentment, then it is. Lord, help us to recognize what we have in You and be content. Because You are more than enough. As we have sung this morning, You are Jireh. You are the Provider. And You are more than enough for me. We thank You and praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.